Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I am the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. And uh, I'm here with Mary and Bobblehead Nick, who's once again not able to be with us. Um, But brother, it's probably a good thing that you're not with us because we have no heat in our offices, and we had portable heaters as we started to record this a moment ago, and then they just blew up. So uh, now we have no heat whatsoever. So this might be a really quick podcast, Mary. It just might be. And if you hear our teeth chatter, you'll know why. <laughs> so we ask your forgiveness uh, in, <laughs> in advance, advance, right? Yeah. Mary, what's our topic? we got a really exciting uh, uh, announcement to make, really, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do, Father. Today we're going to talk about um, uh, the release of a new book and the launch of the X-29 Press. You mean we're releing a new book? X29 is launching a That's press. Us. Wow. And we so are we started a publishing company. Book. We did. Because we're just bored out of our minds over here. Hardly. <laughs> yeah, hardly. But uh, we're excited to break that open for you and share with you why we think this one in particular is so timely for where we are in the church right now uh, on a whole host of different levels. We'll break that open in a second, but we should probably pray, shouldn't we? Absolutely, Father. Let's do that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Father, for these days of Lent that we're in, we give you praise and thanks for the abundance of grace that you offer to us individually and collectively as the church and indeed for the whole world. Father, for the sake of Jesus' sorrowful passion, we ask that you would be merciful to us and to the whole world at this time. Lord, we ask that you'd fill us especially with a hunger for your word and an eagerness to be heralds of that word in the world in which we live, which is so riddled with fear and anxiety. Remind us again and again and again, especially at this time, as we uh, joyfully look forward to the celebration of Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection, of the concrete, tangible reasons we have for hope. We ask all this in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the the Father, Father, and the the Son, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, Mary, why in the world would we start a publishing company, a press, which has what as its name? So it's the Acts 29 Press. Wow. Pretty straightforward. We spent all night coming up with that one, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, So why a press? So I'd say probably the first reason, Father John, is that that we felt like the Lord was inviting us to actually do this. And um, um, I think it's another way, too, for us to to share with our brothers and sisters our three essential principles, and particularly our first principle, which is to reacquire a biblical worldview. Yeah, so let me just maybe, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, because you got to hear things seven times, so we really do believe and think that that God has showed us or shown us three essential principles that lead to the transformation and the rebuilding of the church right now. So the first is to reacquire a biblical worldview. The second is it's not enough to be a staff. We have right. got to become a healthy organization, uh, whether that's a diocese or parishes or families. Uh, and then third is God is the architect, by which we mean that, um, the, that the the solution isn't going to come from brainstorming sessions. The solution for whatever the problem is, whether it's family or parish or diocese, is going to be from us being on our face before right. the Lord, asking him to make known uh, what it is he wants us to do, mindful that he wants all of this more than we do. So yeah, this is a way for us 
uh, this first book, really, to bust open that first essential principle to continue to help people to grasp a biblical way of seeing things, right? Right. And I think it's going to be a great companion book on the to, to follow um, the book that you just recently put out, Father John, Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel. Yeah, and it's also a great companion to From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, which we've talked right. about on a number of occasions right. before as well. In, In fact... right. Go ahead. You were going to say the same no, thing. Yeah. I saw that <laughs> mouth moving. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, the same author who wrote Christendom to Apostolic also authored this book. Yep. And um, I think you're going to find something very unique about this book because his style is so appealing. Yeah, so before we get into the style, yeah. we should probably tell people the name of the book. Yeah. So What's the, the name of the book? So the name of the book is The Christian Cosmic Narrative. Ooh, sounds epic. Yeah. And it, in fact, it actually is. It is epic, isn't it? Right. So yeah, this, this one's coming out. And as you mentioned, we, we really do think it's a tremendous companion to Rescued. So mm-hmm. Rescued is really an attempt to just preach the charisma, right? Right. right. Which ideally is best done live. I mean, we do that. That's the kind of the flagship event for us when we're working with priests and and the lay faithful. Um, But we tried to put that into writing, and so we wrote a book to try to help people to grasp that. But that's the the essence of the story, right? I mean, it's the heart of the story. This book is really the whole story, right? So if you could find a, a way to help people get an introductory glance at the story of salvation history from beginning to end. That's what this book is, hence the title, The Christian Cosmic Narrative. And, you know, we were talking uh, just before we started to record here in Detroit, so they've just lifted the dispensation from Mass. Praise God. Yeah, but there's still a lot of dioceses where where people haven't been going to Mass. They haven't had to. They've been dispensed from the Sunday obligation. And, uh, and, and and a lot of people can't still go, I know, because of right. health or concerns right. and certainly want to be respectful of that. But even for the people who go to Mass regularly and, and haven't been missing Mass this past year, Mass is challenging for most people on a whole host of levels, right? you got distractions and whatnot. But I've often thought the biggest challenge for Mass for most people is they don't know what they're hearing every Sunday, right, with the lectionary when it's proclaimed. Right. Tell us a little bit more why that is, Father John. Well, so I'm, I'm thinking of you and I, you know, when we were leading Alpha and whatnot at, uh, at the parish we were serving at before, and our experience with other people in other parishes, uh, after, you, after a person has an encounter with Jesus, the first thing that we heard people clamoring for right. was, we don't know the Bible Someone help me understand what it is that I'm reading and what I'm hearing when I come to Mass on Sunday. So you get three readings and a psalm stuck in there, too. And oftentimes, if you don't know Scripture, I have no idea what's going on. So I don't know the what uh, Jeff Cavins would often call the arc, huh? the, 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 the narrative, narrative arc of right. the story, right? I don't know how this fits. I don't know what this has to do with my life right now. And so we're just hoping that the priest or the deacon or the bishop who's preaching isn't going to go too long, and he's going to be kind of funny, and he's going to give me something practical to do, which is just a tragic reduction reductionist view of the Word of God. And so this is a tremendous help this book that's coming out, this Christian cosmic narrative, to really help people understand the story so that Mass will be a bit more intelligible, or perhaps a lot more intelligible, right? Right. When's it coming out? So it's coming out, I think it's at the end of April, certainly after Easter, I think it's the 23rd. It's at the printer right now, we know, and so 
Yeah, say some prayers, and hopefully this will come out really fast. And we are so excited to get this into people's hands. And again, this is one of those books we just can't encourage people enough uh, to find out uh, you know, more of the story and to be able to share the story with um, greater fervor and a, and a greater sense of um, just knowledge as to what it is that God's done in this tremendous story that is salvation history and human history. You know what I'll say too, Father John? I mean, God's timing is always perfect. Like the clock that her Lord God has in heaven is always perfectly set to the right time. And I can't help but think that there is a very urgent need for the story right now in a culture that's really wrestling with hopelessness. And I think they'll find in this, the story, the theodrama, that is the, the story of what Jesus Christ has done for us from the you know, from Genesis to Revelation, what God has done for us, to, it's going to quell some anxiety yeah, and some discouragement right. and answer some questions that we all have. In fact, the beginning, the foreword, uh, I think it starts with something like, this is a book about hope. I know that because I wrote the foreword. You, yes, you did. Or the introduction yeah, or whatever yeah, you it was. Did. And it really is. And you're, you're so spot on. I mean, we continue to see time and time again in the people that we encounter so much anxiety, so much fear, and it's bleeding out into all sorts of behaviors, right? And what the Lord wants to do is he doesn't want us to be naive. And and we've said before on this podcast, like, I'm not all that optimistic, but that's not in contradiction to being hopeful. I am exceptionally hopeful. We have nothing to fear because we know who God is. We know where we came from, where we're going, how to get there. Jesus is Lord. Uh, the world is in his hands. My life's in his hands. We don't have to be afraid. That's right. right? And we know who wins. Yeah, we know who wins, right? Right, right. So say something about his style, because the author's style is just so unique. Yeah, so he has a style somewhat akin in my mind to C.S. Lewis. And um, there's a poetic tone mm. to how he writes. And um, it's, just, it's just beautiful. It, it, it really takes you in. Yeah, I can't agree more. I, um, yeah, I can't agree more. So we should not talk about the style. We should actually give people... So, I mean, you've got a daughter. She's You probably don't read to her anymore. She's in her 30s. But uh, I presume that you and Steve used to read to her, didn't All you? All the time. So this is going to be kind of like story time, right, yeah, Father I actually like that. So when I was in the parish, <laughs> uh, oftentimes, uh, a couple times a year anyway, we would, we would uh, rent a bookstore and different adults and, and me too, we would read stories to the kids. I always used to love doing that because I, I never got to read stories to my own children, obviously. So we're going to read some stories to you. We just want to give you a taste of what is to come in this book. And hopefully in these little tastes, it gives you hope right now in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, in the world, in the church. Right. So so we're, so we're Father John and I are going to share just um, a few excerpts. And I think this is at a time where I wish I had a voice like James Earl, jo- James Earl Jones or like David McCullough. That's just really easy on the ears. I'm going to inhale but... helium, and then I'm going to read this. <laughs> okay, Father, why don't you take us away? I might, it might be helium because it's so cold in here. But uh, So here, here's, a, here's a little snippet. Christianity is the most thrilling story ever seriously believed by large numbers of people over long periods of time. We may run into someone who says, I see what Christians think, hope, and believe. I feel the power of the Christian narrative. I understand its attraction. I can see why so many people through the ages have risked everything for it and based the whole of their lives on it. But I haven't embraced it 
because I haven't found my way to believing that the story the Christians tell is true. In such a case, we know we're dealing with a sensible, if mistaken, person holding a reasonable position. But if we meet someone who says, the problem with Christianity is that it's colorless, boring, humdrum, and conventional. I'm looking for something more interesting, more elevating, more inspiring, something richer and more gripping. Then we know we're dealing with someone who's ignorant of Christianity and who has never heard its account of reality. Sadly, many Christians are themselves in this ignorant state. So an important task for all Christians is to understand the Christian story, to see the broad lines of the great drama into which we have been born and in which we have been assigned a momentous part to play. Mm. All right, top that one. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. So the author goes on to write, Christianity is not fundamentally a philosophy, though Christians have developed impressive philosophic systems. It is not mainly a code of ethics, though the Christian faith clarifies the moral order and makes serious moral demands on its followers. It is not primarily a practical plan for the betterment of the existing world, though Christians have had much to say about that. At its heart, Christianity is an epic adventure, a high romance, one whose hero and primary actor is God, and one that has implications of infinite importance for every person living. As C.S. Lewis put it in God in the Dock, the heart of Christianity is a myth, which is also a fact. It is historical and it is mythical at the same time. Gosh, don't you just, are you getting a flavor for how this man writes? No, I just love this, right? I mean, so this, this just, again, I mean, I think, you know, again, we've said this before, but so many of us right now, we're, we're kind of lost, like, what's going on? I mean, we're all masked up, we're buttoned up, uh, we have no sense of control right now. And to hear words like this, which are true, right? Because the gospel's true. The story of salvation is true. Revelation is true. What this does, it's even as you're reading that, and as I was reading the excerpt a moment ago, it's like someone's just breathing hope into me. And life. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's right. And this is the story. This is our family history. That's right. right? Who doesn't want to know about that, right? That's right. Okay, so you got another one. Keep right going. I do. Thus did the curse descend upon our first parents. Ooh, and so we're talking now about uh, what happens after the fall. Huh? That's right. And thus did they frame the legacy that they passed on to their children, banished from their home, exiled through their own fault from the happiness that had been meant for them. Adam and Eve found themselves cast forth upon a darkened world. From this tragic pair came eventually the whole human race, a race mysteriously haunted by remembrance of what they had lost, sorrowfully aware of the height from which they had fallen, a race longing for goodness but caught by evil, desiring truth but prey to falsehood, hmm. eager for communion but experiencing loneliness, 
yearning for immortality, but faced with the sorrowful necessity of death. The whole history of humanity, so full of promise and desire, so racked by darkness and corruption, began to play itself out under the shadow of that fateful act of rebellion, that mysterious fall from grace. You know, uh, listening to you share that with us right now, and then thinking of that comment earlier about stories, you know, I was just thinking of, um, I was mindful of how many friends of mine, when COVID first started, mm-hmm. um, unbeknownst to one another, they all shared with me like, yeah, we sat down with our kids and we watched all the Marvel comic movies in a row, you know? <laughs> and there, there's something about those movies right. for lots of people or the Lord of the Rings or the oh, Star totally. Wars movies, right? And, and what what it is that that's so engrossing about them is their stories, right? And so you get caught up in the story and we want to know like, where these people come from? Like, how'd they get their powers? Why did they become so bad? Why are they so good? Like, what's the backstory? So we, we live in stories, right? We don't live in laws and rules. I mean, laws and rules are really important, but those aren't the things that grab us. And I think so often, many Christians, they mistakenly think that to be a disciple is all about laws, when in fact it's to be part of a story. So those stories are really great. They're nothing at all right. like the story that is the story of salvation history. Right. This is the love story that you and I are living in. Yeah, it's a love story. It's a it's an epic story. I mean, it's everything that's And in, we're in it. That's right. And every single yeah. category is involved in this, right? So here's his reflection, um, a little excerpt of his reflection after the archangel. That was uh, Eve that you were talking about there and Adam in the fall. This is the new Eve. This is Mary and the incarnation. That is to say, the second person of the Trinity, the one through whom the universe was made becoming flesh. We call that the incarnation. So he says, the incarnation of the Logos, the second person of the Trinity, is the most astounding belief ever seriously held by humans. There is no other religion whose beliefs come close to it, no other person in history who has ever claimed to be or has ever been revered as the fullness of the one transcendent creator God in human form. No news so riveting and momentous has ever come to the ears of humankind. If the claim is true, if God really did become a man and join himself forever to humanity, then it is by many orders of magnitude the most important thing that has ever happened. If it is true, then the incarnation becomes the interpretive key that unlocks the inner meaning of all human history and reveals the purpose of every human life. If it's not true, then the Christian narrative, along with the whole of the Christian religious tradition, is a lie and a cheat and should be spurned and rejected as fanciful and dangerous nonsense. Mm. Blessed be God, the story is true. Amen. And in that, we have a purpose, we have an identity, we have a destiny. Gosh. Amen. Let me let me share this other one. Uh, here's a little something on his, just a quick little reflection with regards to uh, Jesus's death and then his encounter with uh, the enemy after he dies, that is to say, with Satan. But the greed and gloating of the devil turned rapidly into something very different. He did indeed meet the new arrival. This is Jesus descending into hell. huh? 
He did encounter the soul of the man he had connived to have killed. But something strange, entirely new to his experience, began to happen. The prisoner, quote-unquote, did not come sad and defeated, bound in chains of darkness and surrounded by the triumphant laughter of demons. Instead, he came wrapped in a blinding, searing light, such as had never before blazed in that dark dungeon. He came forward upright and strong, with authority and power, sending the demons shrieking in dismay and boldly advancing upon the prince of darkness. Now the mind of Satan was filled with fear and foreboding as the true identity of this mysterious figure broke upon him, and he saw too late that the trap he had so cleverly laid for his enemy had sprung upon himself. The idea that the divine Logos might humbly unite himself to humanity had never entered the darkest corner of his proud mind. His cunning craftiness had been overthrown by God's seeming foolishness. By bringing a criminal's death upon the innocent Son of God, he had unwittingly opened death's door. Now, the Lord of life himself was demanding from him the keys of death and was announcing the good news to all who had been chained by it and was leading them out of the devil's dungeon into freedom and light. Ooh. Oh, the glorious Man, this is good. of the king. Oh, oh beautiful. I love it. Take us home. You got one last excerpt. So this huh? is our last little piece, and, and, and this little excerpt um, focuses on the fight for the human race, and it begins like this. So the battle for humanity will go on until the one who rules all destinies decides that the time of fulfillment has arrived. Christ continues in every age to build his kingdom, to assault the powers of evil, to attack the fortress of darkness, and to set its captives free. Satan angrily attempts in every age to fend off that attack, trying to maintain his deceitful but now fragile sway over human souls, and to cling, however vainly, to his illegitimate power, into that battle, into the complexities and mysteries of a graced creation, into a zone of light and shadow, of high hope and quiet despair, of beauty and corruption, sprung from a race of rebels, some allied to and enslaved by the devil's tyranny, and others struggling together against it by God's power, one fine day, each of us was born. Conceived from all eternity in the mind of God, created by him with a high purpose and a hoped-for destiny, we were brought into existence under the watchful and loving eye of the Lord of the universe himself. In the high-stakes drama all around us, we have each been given a part to play, one that bears our name and no one else's, We each have the mercy of God to receive, a self to put to death, a kingdom to gain, a battle to fight, and spiritual enemies to slay, comrades to aid, rebels to win over, and a life of love to build, 
as we fulfill our task of inhabiting and reflecting the bright life and love of God refracted uniquely through each of his children. My gosh, you know, as I'm reading that, I I felt I was going to start crying. I mean, that is so, so moving. So we're engaged in a battle, all of us. That spiritual battle is real. And God fights for us, and he's inviting us to fight for one another. And may it be so that his plan for our life um, is fulfilled. That's right, and it's true for every person. Fight right? for on. Ev- every single person who's uh, who's hearing, or every person that you know. I mean, whether you're in a nursing home and you haven't had any visitors, or you're in a hospital and you're confined to your bed, or whether you're uh, you know out of a job right now, or whether life's great, doesn't matter. Like every single person is in this drama that God has written. I mean, that, that's why our name as an organization, an apostolate, is what it is. Acts twenty nine. The whole point is to convey that the same Holy Spirit who wrote the first 28 chapters of Acts is writing right now the next chapter of the church and the next chapter of the world, and you and I are starring roles in it. Whoever you are, wherever you are, every single one of us, there there are no bit players in this drama, right? Because there are no insignificant persons. So, I mean, even as I'm saying that, I feel like the Lord just wants to share to those who feel especially despondent right now or especially in a dark place that... The, the Lord wants to give you hope and remind you it, it's not for us to see this side of heaven. How he used us, that's irrelevant. It's just to know he's using us, right? And every day to be able to say, like Our Lady did, you know, uh, here I am, handmaid of the Lord, servant of the Lord, do with me whatever you wish. It's not important that I know, right? Mother Teresa had this great quote someone shared with me recently. Um, God doesn't need to ask my permission for how he's going to use me once I've said, you can use me. And it's not for me to know what he does on this side. One day, we'll find out. Right now, we just want to pray that God will use us today to to know him more fully and then to make him known more fully and to love him and to make him loved, right? Right. I just think it's really important, too, before we close this out. So this podcast studio is freezing. So before we, before you close this out, Father John, I just want to invite everybody to our website to learn how they can get this book. Yeah, so again, the title is The Christian Cosmic Narrative. Don't run there yet. Chris made a big point saying, like, don't tell them to get on today because the book's right. not there yet. Right. It's coming. It won't be out till the end of April. Right. And then the end of April... Uh, it'll be distributed both uh, through our website and through some other retailers as well. So Acts 29, A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X dot org. And then uh, buy a copy for yourself and give them away as gifts. to be a great thing that's to give right. away as Christmas, right? right? It's a story of hope. And that's the human story. The human story is a story of hope because God is the author. And God's a good God. And he knows what he's doing. And he's faithful and he's powerful beyond all measure. He has no rival. And blessed be he, he is merciful. So, because all those things and more are true, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this.